0: This is how creative the minds of people are right now, just so that they're able to help save the environment and still help people choose healthy. So the bottom line here is that animal-free dairy is new, but it has great potential.
1: This is The Vineyard Podcast. Conversations on brand development for the healthy food and beverage industry with your hosts, Leonard Grape and Victoria Walling. Listen as they navigate the intricacies of developing a healthy F&B brand, So you can build a product that stands out, appeals to the emotions, and becomes the preferred one by customers.
0: Many healthy F&B brands today are pushing for a climate-beneficial food culture. So a lot of them are rallying towards a more sustainable healthy F&B industry and a healthy food system across the world by changing the way food is made and consumed by many.
2: Talking about the healthy F&B space, there has really been an inspiring drive and movement across the sector. In fact, we consider this more than just a a growing business industry, but really a global revolution. Uh, For this episode, Victoria, you wanted us to talk about the rise of the healthy F&B revolution.
0: That's correct, Leonard. The rise of the healthy F&B revolution is currently happening. So more and more companies shift their focus. You know, it's really adding that healthy option into their portfolio. You have the likes of, you know, Unilever, Kellogg's, General Mills. And if you look in the Philippine context, you have San Miguel Corporation with their Viga, which is really meat-free patties, sausages, and nuggets. And you also have Century Pacific Food with their unmeat products. So there's really that, you know, increased consciousness of a friendlier way food is produced and consumed because a lot of people and brands are actually pushing, you know, how do we improve the nutritional value in what we consume? How do we change the way people choose what to consume and eat wisely? And of course, how do we also help preserve the environment by supporting that healthier diet and reducing our carbon footprint? So there's really that transformation, that movement to change the way the healthy F&B industry influences the way people live and eat. So I've honestly saw three movements that have taken the healthy F&B brands by storm that we should really look into.
2: Okay, what are these movements, Victoria?
0: First one is the growth of plant-based diets. So Technically, it's not really a new thing because it's been there for decades already. But the growth of this particular diet has shown how more people, most especially when the pandemic hit, um, how more people have really been very conscious about their health benefit, the habits that they support, right? What they're doing right now is that they're trying to opt to choose a diet where it's really mostly vegetables and fruits because they know Mm -hmm. that if they choose Plant-based diets, they actually improve their gut health, you know, they lower the risk of chronic diseases and even reduce inflammations and whatnot. So you really get a lot more vitamins, proteins, and minerals when you support plant-based diet. And honestly, I think it's really amazing how many more consumers are really actively seeking for plant-based diets and alternatives So because of this particular movement, it's natural that businesses, whether you're in the manufacturing business or let's say you're in the QSR business, you're really going to try to meet these demands, right? That's why a lot of businesses um, have taken action because plant-based diets are here to stay. So for example, many restaurants have already introduced exclusive plant-based menu. items. I mean, you go to a normal restaurant, you'll have like maybe one or two options already that's very specific for plant-based items. So they're very conscious already about what consumers are asking for. And right now, if you go to the grocery, there are also a lot of plant-based alternatives, and products that are really focused on plant-based stuff Like sausages, you have burger patties You have nuggets, chicken fingers I mean, you name it I'm pretty sure there are a lot that's being created already And the good thing here is not It's not just small players that are getting into the game It's big players You have Nestle, Mondesian Corporation, Unilever, Kellogg's There's really a lot And recently, I just read this article that honestly was just posted That there are about 14 public hospitals in New York City that have already started offering plant-based dishes as primary dinner options to inpatients. So for example, if you want a non-plant-based diet, you have to specifically request for that, right? So I think it's really great that a lot more people are working together to really support that healthy diet. I think the two biggest questions here would be First is, how can manufacturers in the HFNB industry ensure that the flavors of plant-based dishes and food items are at par with the usual animal products and meals that we're used to? And second is, how can brands creatively price their products so that more people would really want to go healthy?
2: This is a movement in the industry that has seen a constant growth. So I agree with you on this, Victoria. But when you highlighted in terms of the desire of consumers to improve their personal health, and there's also impact on the environmental health, I think those are key items that healthy F&B companies must also note. There's research that says that the two primary considerations for buyers to really go into the healthy f diet. It's really, of course, mainly how to improve their own personal health, but there are also those who are driven by how they can support and reverse the effects of climate change globally. So you've highlighted how it's driven mainly by people's desire to improve their personal health and how a lot of big corporations, companies, and even organizations are now supporting this path. And this is something that we see to continuously grow even in the next Few years, right? Yep, that's correct. So that's the first one. What's the second one that you see as a major movement with the healthy FB revolution, Victoria?
0: The second one I'm seeing is the expansion of animal free dairy products. It's, you know, touted by a lot of people in the media right now as the milk of the future because it's free of any animal byproduct. It perfectly imitates or mimics the taste of dairy with lactose hormone and cruelty free i think it's very remarkable you know this whole process where a lot of people a lot of brands are being very conscious of the carbon footprint that they have right so the way that that brands are looking at right now is to how can they creatively innovate and produce products that people are used to but still be healthy right so the way that mm-hmm. animal free dairy products work is it's through a process called precision fermentation kind of think like how beer is made you know it, it's for it ferments for how many days and whatnot here it's really getting whey proteins produced by microflora. it's kind of like a fungus so this process turns out identical proteins found in cows and milk so the great thing about this is that you get the same texture the same feel and even the same flavor of real dairy but it didn't go through the normal process of you know getting it from a cow per se right mm-hmm. so that's what i'm really really happy about this particular movement so let me just give you a sample. So there's this really well-known company right now called Perfect Day. They're really one of the prominent players in the precision fermentation dairy protein um, sphere. So they are working and collaborating with a lot of companies in the U.S. that use their whey protein to create milk. So you have, for example, Strive Free Milk. You have Board Cow, who just launched in 2022. You have Brave Robot Ice Cream and so much more. And then if you look at other countries, Imagine Dairy is a company from Israel who has also looked for different ways to bioengineer yeast cells to produce milk proteins. So if you look at it, this is how creative the minds of people are right now, just so that they're able to help save the environment and still help people choose healthy. So the bottom line here is that animal-free dairy is new, but it has great potential. And I've read also that there are a few possible health benefits to animal-free dairy, First is it contains less sugar, it has more protein, and it has more vitamin D12 than non-dairy alternatives. And of course, you get the taste of normal milk above it all. So if for for example, lactose intolerant, but you really, really love dairy stuff, then this is the road for you, right? So more and more companies are becoming environmentally conscious and are looking for ways to still provide dairy milk in a healthier, safer, and innovative way.
1: Hi, Thank you for listening to Brand Start. We are pausing for a quick break. Are you planning to launch a new healthy F&B product in the market? Unsure of how to position and brand it? Or maybe you want to relaunch an existing healthy F&B brand to help increase sales and customer loyalty? Well then, you've come to the right place. At The Vineyard, we help healthy F&B companies in building brands that stand out on the shelves, increase product sales, and drive repeat purchase. If you're interested in working with us, head on to www.thevineyardbc.com to jumpstart your brand development journey.
2: On this second movement, I remember interestingly that there's actually some findings that say about 65 to 7% of the world population are lactose intolerant. So you'll be surprised for the longest years why not a lot of brands have been taking advantage of that until you know this movement has allowed. One major brand that I remember is Oatly to really Mm -hmm. dominate the market and grow significantly in the past five to 10 years offering uh, non-dairy milk alternative, which is based on uh, or coming from oats.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good take. So if there's a lot of percentage or people already who are lactose intolerant, they still want to drink real milk, not plant-based milk, then this animal-free dairy milk could be an option for them. So thank you to all the brands who are getting into this movement, right? Now, let me share with you the last movement I'm seeing. So there is now the introduction of clean meat. So what is clean meat? It's really creating lab-grown meat, it's cell-based, it's cultured meat using animal cells. So while there aren't a lot that's available in the market just yet, there seems to be a potential in this particular movement. And the potential benefits that a lot of articles in the media are saying is that it's pushing for sustainability. It's helping everyone, all the manufacturers, to become more friendly um to the environment. You are protecting animal welfare, and you're also pushing for food safety, which is good, right? I mean, the normal products that we use, um they go through a long process. And sometimes sanity is also a question that has been raised over the years, right? So what they're trying to push right now, one of the key messages is that It's safely made, I mean, sanity-wise and all that. So let me just share with you, um, you know, cultured chicken nuggets by good meat is now legally sold to consumers in Singapore. Actually, today, Singapore is currently the only country where lab-grown cuts of meat can legally be sold to consumers. And for example, in Israel, you also have Believer Meat, Super Meat, and Aleph Farms that are creating cultured chicken and beef. So these are really great innovations right now that we are seeing. And it's it's a great thing. Like If it's something that can be done, that can help save the environment, that can help save animals, then I think personally, I'm all for it, right? But the problem is, it's also very pricey to produce because it's a new concept, right? And people are starting to get Onto it just yet, and then I guess the challenge right now for bigger brands and for the brands who want to get into it is how do they reduce manufacturing costs? Let me give you an idea, Leonard. So back in twenty fourteen, you know, the first lab grown burger was made, and it cost them three hundred and thirty thousand U.S. dollars. Think about it, just one burger patty, Mm -hmm. right? And it cost them $330,000. And then in 2016, it cost $18,000 to grow a pound of lab-grown meatball. It's very pricey. So if you want people to choose this back then, if it got launched and it got approved, all the regulatories, that's going to be crazy expensive to sell to, to consumers, right? So I think this is what a lot of manufacturers and brands right now are focusing on. How can they make this massive innovation closer to the public, and more affordable for them, right? So right now, it's honestly still too early to say. A lot more companies are working on this, and the greatest impact might be on how it could be sustained by the community.
2: This is a product sector that has been evolving with some quietness, if I may say, but has been making leaps of progress. You mentioned one brand in Singapore, and I remember there's another one within the USA, it's Upside Foods, that has recently mm-hmm. gotten some ghost signal from both FDA and USDA to really proceed uh, with, with some potential testing in the marketplace already. So some calls it clean meat, others dub it as lab-grown meat or cultivated meat, but definitely this is an exciting Time for the sector. And you're right that this is going to be not just a subcategory within the whole healthy F and B industry, but it's being seen as a potential whole economic system on its own. Wherein you know Correct. there'll be brands that's gonna be producing it, there'll be brands that's gonna be distributing it. Um, and you're right. Well, it's too early to say it's actual potential health impact. There's already a lot of great possibilities for it. And one thing is for sure, one driver for this is it's definitely going to affect our crisis in climate change in a very significant way.
0: I totally agree with you, Leonard.
2: Okay, so we're talking about the revolution that are really driving the healthy F&B industry. And I can't help but remember, Victoria, how this is also in relation to how we contextualize our manifesto. Uh, If you remember, when we were really looking at this industry, the way we, we viewed it is the world is in a war to be healthier, as you were running through these things, we talked about the two major considerations for people to choose becoming healthier, eating healthy, would be their personal health and also mm-hmm. the environmental health. And that's why when we say the world is in a war to be healthier, it's both the physical health of the people who live in it, but at the same time, Mother Nature in itself, right? Correct. That's a, that's a great way to look at it also because those two reasons are... Are really going to push
0: people to really choose healthy right now as we go through a lot of changes in the world.
2: Let me do a recap of the three movements that healthy FB stakeholders should continue to look into and observe possible opportunities. First, that you mentioned is the continued growth of the plant based FB category. And you left this item with two key questions for HFB companies. One is how can they ensure that the flavors of plant based products are delicious and enjoyable? Second, how can brands creatively price their products so that more people would have access to it and would really want to go healthy? The second point would be the expansion of animal-free dairy products, which, as you said, has huge potential impact to improve both personal and environmental health. And it's even touted to possibly become the milk of the future. The last item is the introduction of the cultivated meat or meat that are made using animal cells. This sector has seen key milestones with a few brands being allowed to already introduce their products to the market. Any final words on this topic, Victoria?
0: Thanks, Leo, for doing that summary. As more HFNB companies are finding ways for a more sustainable way of production and consumption, this poses a great opportunity for brands to reconsider and consider sustainability and purpose as their core drivers in their businesses. So they not only focus on what they do and offer as brands, but even on how they create impactful storytelling and experiences that can actually transform the lives of the communities they serve. Okay, so that's it for me today, Leonard. What can you tell us about our next episode?
2: For our next episode, Victoria, I want to share a profound tool that healthy F&D companies can use to really envision and explore what's in store for them. What are the greatest possibilities that they can actually achieve for themselves, for their brands, and for the customers that they are serving? It's a concept that I call the desired future brand.
0: That sounds very exciting, and I can't wait for that discussion.
2: See you in the next episode, Victoria, and thanks for today.
1: We hope you enjoyed our episode. Thanks for listening to The Vineyard Podcast with Leonard Grape and Victoria Walling. If you want to learn more about creating and developing a healthy food and beverage brand that is unique, resonates with the market, and builds lasting customer relationship, subscribe and learn more at www.victorya.com thevineyardbc.com. If you enjoyed our conversation, we invite you to leave us a rating whichever platform you're listening to this on and an honest review in Apple Podcasts to help us improve the show. Make sure you tune in to the next episode of The Vineyard Podcast.